Welcome to the Buckets Mentality Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Champion. We got another episode today, again, sponsored by SeatGeek. $20 off your first purchase, tickets to games, concerts, etc. The NBA season is right around the corner. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the first preseason game from the Los Angeles Lakers and the New Orleans Pelicans, the two teams I really strongly have my eye on this preseason. Both of their games are on national television and have a very fun time watching them and breaking them down. Uh, first, I'll talk about the Buckets Mentality Hot Topic teams. Obviously, we're going to cover every team in the league when it sees fit, but the main teams are going to be covered on this page with the most storylines, the most star power, the most talent on the court, like the combination of all three of those things. We got the Lakers, the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Warriors, the Rockets, the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Nets. Those are the main teams you're going to see a lot of topics about on the Buckets Mentality Podcast throughout the season. We're going to be giving love to other teams as well, other players and things like that, a bunch of different topics. But just know, especially when I'm doing game breakdowns like these, post-game, those are going to be a lot of the main teams we're going to be talking about. In today's episode, we got the Lakers and the Pelicans, obviously. Uh, my two favorite teams to watch and cover in the entire league, you guys know if you guys have been following me on Instagram at Bucket Center or on Twitter at Bucket Center one I talk about LeBron, Lonzo, Zion, those guys a lot. And I really love what those guys bring to the table. You guys know how much I like my intangibles, and those guys really bring the intangibles to the table. I've uh, been a believer in Lonzo Ball since he was at UCLA. Uh, even watched him senior year at Chino Hills. I believe he's going to be the best player from the 2017 draft class when it's all said and done. That's what I said at the time. Um, I'm a huge fan of, like I said, his basketball IQ, his playmaking, his elevation of teammates, what he brings to the table on the defensive side of the ball. He has potential as a shooter. Uh, his shot is much improved. We saw him working on it in the offseason. You guys have seen the clips by now. He has one fluid motion now. It's not coming from the side of his face and things like that. He's cleaned up the shot, uh, and we're already seeing results. He hit three three-pointers, and he shot a pretty damn good percentage from the three-point line uh, in this game. So that was really good to see from Lonzo. I think he's going to be the most improved player this year. That was my prediction going into the season, and I really think we could see it with his maturity, the way he's going to be able to see the floor, the new opportunity with the Pelicans. I believe this is a perfect situation for Lonzo, being in New Orleans, playing with Zion Williamson, those lobs. We've already seen their connection. They have great on-court chemistry, great fit in terms of play styles. Just a great situation for him to have a team and be able to run the show in New Orleans. Um, and they have the best defensive backcourt in the entire league with Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday. Uh, it's going to be a nightmare for opposing teams to have to deal with that. Zion Williamson's obviously a freak of nature. He's a dude that basically gives you Draymond Green vibes around the same size as Draymond Green. Actually an inch taller than Draymond as we find out that Draymond's actually 6'5 without shoes and Zion is 6'6 six six without shoes. Uh, but Zion can do a little bit of everything just like Draymond. He's a utility rover player that can rebound, that can play make. Uh, he can defend at an elite level. He really has the athleticism advantage in, in a big regard over Draymond Green. He's basically giving you Giannis Antetokounmpo level athleticism. The dude's 280 pounds, but he can jump out the gym 40-plus uh, inch vertical. And he's just got a crazy motor, crazy energy, gives you toughness, high basketball IQ, and he's jumping out the dang gym. 
and he can catch anything. He's going to be more aggressive as a scorer, much more aggressive than uh, than Draymond. He's better at creating his own shots. But just the kind of elk and mold of a rover that Zion Williamson is is pretty damn similar uh, to Draymond Green. And that's really going to be his role and be a utility rover, not necessarily the best player, the centerpiece of the Pelicans in his rookie year with Drew Holiday being that for them. So I think the Pelicans are going to battle for a playoff spot this year. But like I said, a lot of these guys are still developing. They're young. So I think they're going to barely miss the playoffs as a ninth seed. I would love to see them get into the eighth seed, um, but I just don't see it happening this year. Uh, and the Atlanta Hawks are a really good team, too. It was fun to see those teams go at it. I think the Hawks have the best young core in the Eastern Conference. I've been extremely high on Trey Young. I said on draft night and even before draft night that Trey Young was the second best player in that draft class behind Luka Doncic. And a lot of people thought I was crazy talking about guys like DeAndre, Aiden, Marvin Bagley, even Mo Bombo is getting a lot of hype in the pre-draft. But Trey Young literally led the NCAA in scoring and assists. Like if you watch the dude play, he's pulling up from 40, but that's not even necessarily his best strength. He's a great playmaker first and foremost that can also shoot the ball lights out from the perimeter. He can also do a lot of other things out there on the floor. So I'm a huge fan of Trey Young. I like some of the other draft picks. DeAndre Hunter is a solid role player. Cam Reddish has star potential, and they have John Collins, obviously. So they're building something nice in the ATL, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans and the Hawks one day in the 2020s met in the NBA Finals. I would love to see that. Let's transition to the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. That was a game that was having people going insane the other day. And obviously, Golden State did not look the part. Obviously, they're missing KD. They're missing Klay Thompson. KD's obviously not on the squad anymore. Klay Thompson's going to be out at least till after the All-Star break for them potentially the entire season. We saw uh, during the broadcast, uh, they were wondering if the Warriors were even going to make the playoffs. And I think the Warriors will make the playoffs, but just like the Lakers of last year, when I predicted the Lakers to make the Western Conference Finals because they have LeBron James, because they have some nice young core pieces, um, but all the injuries happened, to LeBron included, but also the guys like Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Rajon Rondo, you go down the line. And that just really ruined their season and ruined their chances. They had that kind of upside if they would have gotten into the playoffs, regardless of the seeding. They could have got their way to the Western Conference Finals unless they had to face Golden State before the Western Conference Finals. I truly believe with a healthy LeBron James and a healthy group that they would have had, I think they could have been the second best team in the West and won a game or two potentially off of the Golden State Warriors. Um, but it obviously didn't happen that way. and We didn't get to see the full potential of that squad. Now. With the Golden State Warriors, if Klay Thompson does not come back from the injury, if we see, God forbid, a guy like Steph Curry go down or D'Angelo Russell goes down, they're already thin in terms of their depth and their bench. Coley Stein's already going to miss a couple weeks. So the Golden State Warriors could be severely injury compromised to the point where they don't even have a chance to contend for a championship this year. They may not even make the playoffs if they have a couple significant injuries to their team. So I think that's the team that has the upside of going potentially even to the conference finals if they can avoid the two LA teams or at least damn bare minimum winning around the playoffs. So that that's a team I could really see having a similar type of, of 
season arc as the Los Angeles Lakers do where they have upside because they have one of the two guys that have run the entire decade in Steph Curry, uh, one of the best leaders in the league. And obviously the Lakers have LeBron James. I know the Golden State Warriors have more star power, but they also have less depth off their bench. And they also have to have two teams that are really elite tier one championship contenders with the Clippers and the Lakers when the Lakers really only had to deal with Golden State. So that's where I see the similarities between those two teams. AD was just a monster. They had to start, the Golden State Warriors had to start Amari Spellman because um, also Kaban Looney did not play, and AD was beasting and feasting. He's clearly the best big man in basketball. I've said that time and time again. And a lot of people know that I've been super high, and I've praised AD on a lot of occasions, but I've also said at times that he can be overrated. And the reason I say that is because in the modern NBA, when you have an elite big man like that, but he's not your playmaker, you're not running your offense through him, he's not bringing the ball up the court. In the modern NBA, it's harder to affect wins and losses when you don't have that guy. And that's why I've said Anthony Davis needs an elite playmaker to win basketball games. Like, And we know the Pelicans have not had much success with Anthony Davis throughout their entire time. The farthest they went was the second round of the playoffs, and they did that with an elite playmaker in Rajon Rondo. And LeBron James is by far the best playmaker Anthony Davis has ever had. And that's why I think this duel was so scary, because Anthony Davis finally has the one thing I've been saying his entire career that he needs. And LeBron James has the best big man he's ever played with uh, on both sides of the ball. So that's why this is easily, to me, the best uh, duo in the entire league. Um, I do think Rondo gets way too much hate and slander on on social media and various platforms. I like him and the pairing with him and Anthony Davis, as I already said. He's had his most success of his career playing with Rondo. So I know the fit with LeBron is clunky and the net rating, the on-off numbers, whatever the case may be. Just play Rondo as much as possible, the majority of his minutes, with Anthony Davis. Don't start him. Bring him off the bench and try to limit him playing with LeBron, but playing with Anthony Davis as much as possible. Davis is going to need to have an elite playmaker on the court for the majority of the time. Uh, and that's how you're going to best be able to utilize him because when he's going in the post, we know he's unguardable. We know he's just a force down there. So just have him get a guy to give him the basketball and to throw him those lobs and to make things even easier for him. And that's what was happening in this game. The Lakers just so much dang size. And that's going to be their biggest advantage. They have too much size for really every team in the entire NBA. If you put their front court against the rest of the NBA, I'm probably most often taking the Los Angeles Lakers. Even I know they had to go up against Amari Spellman in this game, but Regardless, you can go down the line with most of these teams in the NBA, the front lines in the Western Conference, especially you're looking at the Clippers with Montrezl Harrell and the Vitsa Zubats. That's going to be the Lakers' big advantage, that size. Um, and then LeBron James and Anthony Davis as a duo, like it's a more natural basketball fit than even Kobe and Shaq were. And that's one of the greatest duos the game's ever seen. And with LeBron running the point guard and being the lead playmaker that he is, and then Davis being the interior force that he is, it's really a more it's a more natural duo than Kobe and Shaq, who were two assassins and two like go-to scorers trying to coexist and play together. That's why I see 
them potentially having more upside if they were to both play like in their prime of their careers. LeBron's he's still an elite player. He's still in the conversation for the best basketball player on the planet. But I wouldn't say LeBron James was in his athletic prime anymore. But AD and LeBron in their athletic primes would have just been crazy. But still, they're the best duo in the NBA by far. And they have potential to really make some noise in the league this year. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm out for now. Peace.